Well, every week we do Six and a Song with a special guest. Today we are delighted to have on the show with us former Prime Minister Sir John Key. A very good afternoon, John. Hi, guys. How are you? We're great. Thank you very yeah, much. It's nice to John. chat. Good as gold, mate. Love it to hear from you. Very good. Happy New Year, all that sort of stuff. Yes. Indeed. Yeah. What have you been doing with yourself? Uh, what sort of holiday, really? We, um, we've been in Hawaii, so that was very, very pleasant, and um, just mucking around, but we're sort of back into it, and I don't know whether I say sadly or otherwise, but we're moving house, so the lovely Brona has me working, doing a million jobs, which, frankly, I'd rather be on holiday, but anyway, <laughs> she's got me cleaning up 20 years of stuff around the house. Well, I, did, I have to say, I did see on, uh, I think it was the Herald's webpage, how do you feel about that when you see your house listed, Sir John Key's Mansion sells for, I don't know, it's 20-odd oh, yeah. million or something like that. How, does, yeah. how do you feel about those stories? Look, it comes with the, it comes with the old job, really, and you get used to it. I mean, when you're in um, politics, you know, life's an open book and things that you might not necessarily think and use are news to other people, and frankly, you know, I'm no better than the rest of the public, so if Brad Pitt does something or some other famous person does something, then... I kind of read about it, so that's what makes the news. <laughs> it's hard to criticise. But, look, yeah, obviously we're trying to keep, you know, relatively speaking, a low profile if we can these days because, you know, it's the next phase of our life. But some stuff is kind of worse in the public domain, so that's the way it goes. Mm. John, are you doing what a lot of people um, do as we get all get more mature? Let's use that phrase. Um, are you and your darling wife downsizing? Yeah, well, we are. Um, we... <laughs> <laughs> we don't have a crazy thing. We, we, when we bought the sections in St Stephen's Ave, we were living in London, and Brian had lot, for a long time seen the site that was sort of for sale in St Stephen's Ave, and it was always a bit of a joke. Yeah, friends used to call it oh, Brian's, Brian's section, and so I came back from London '99 at one point to give a speech here, and just literally went for a drive, saw a for sale sign, rang up the agent, and bought them as a kind of present for her because I knew she wanted to live here, and then we another site, so we end up having three in a row. And we love where we are, but our house is, you know, you know our mess is a big one. So, you know, the kids have all left home, and so we wanted a smaller house, and we wanted to stay in the area, so we tried to buy it a few neighbours, and that didn't quite work. And eventually, we cut along through short, I was at work one day being, being a good prime minister, and Brona cooked up and planned the architect to build a house on the tennis court. So the other day, she came up with the classic statement of, oh, the architects think we're quite conservative. I said, honey, people that move literally 15 feet next door because they want to stay in the same street in the same area, I think they're deemed to be conservative, yeah. So we are downsizing, but it's still actually a pretty big house. It's a um, great place. I did yeah. read that, that you were building the house you were building was pretty much on your old site, so I thought that was interesting. Mm. Do you still have a security detail with you? Prime, well, I could, listen to me, I'm so used to referring to you as Prime Minister. Do you still have yeah. a sec security detail, John? I don't all the time. I, I, I do if there's a particular reason or issue or, you know, for whatever reason they decide they want to. So from time to time they can, um, but it would have to be because they, you know, for whatever reason just wanted to do that. Um, but I don't think I need it, you know, on an ongoing basis. You know, people see me all the time walking around, driving myself and doing all those things. And, and you yeah, know, look, the reality is people move on and, and um you know, a lot of, if there are threats ever really against a kind of prime minister as the head of a government, it's really because people, not, not, they're probably not, it sounds weird, but they're not personal. They're just aimed at what they see as the, the person that leads the country. And when you're no longer in that job, I think those threats largely go away. So, yeah. yeah, I could permanently keep it, and the American system certainly does. Um, but I just don't think that's necessary. And, and look, 
Yeah, the entire time I haven't, I, I've been out of office, I've had two people that have ever had a go at me. One guy was pretty drunk, and another guy was the weirdest of things. Um, I was going off to do a cure kids ball, and I never really use crown cards anymore. Yeah, I can use them. I'm allowed to use them, but I don't use them. I just, you know, take mm. a taxi or Uber or whatever. But that particular night, I used one because we were going off to this black tie event, and I, I was literally getting into the car on in St Stephen's Ave on the street, and some guy, young guy was running past and goes, ah, still on the teat, eh? <laughs> <laughs> I thought, oh, God, you're out there trying to do good things. <laughs> you know, it was really weird because it was completely out of left. It actually sort of slightly shocked me. And, um, but everyone else is lovely. And if they don't like me, they just ignore me, which is cool. It works quite well, too. So, you know, it's quite a good little system. That's sort of mutual, you know, mutual distraction. Yeah, yeah. That's sort of the Kiwi way, isn't it? Just pretend somebody you don't yeah. like is not there. But, look, yeah. but talking, about yeah. people, talking about people you actually do like, Obviously, when you're Prime Minister of a country, as you were for a long time, you meet a lot of people, extraordinary leaders and interesting people right around the world. Out of them all, are there some that you still keep in touch with that, as we would say in New Zealand, that you kind of regard as sort of a mate? Yeah, and they're varying different levels. Funny enough, actually, when I was going to take off the Obama over Christmas, and um, I just we ended up going up there slightly later, and so it didn't didn't quite work, so we didn't play. But yeah, I still keep in contact with him, and you know, a lot of the Aussie prime ministers, Julie Gillard or or um, you know Malcolm Turnbull and Tony Abbott, and those kind of guys. I mean, I just run into them, I see them lots, and I do different things. Um, so yeah, there, there's you know there's quite a few of them. David Cameron, I talk to quite a bit. Actually, he's just done his book, obviously. In fact, I've been listening to to bits of you know, as, uh, as an audio book. And, you know, it's just, you know, kind of, yeah, just, just lots, really. And, and people kind of, you know, they're great, you know. If but, you know, some of, them, some of them are far more acquaintances than, yeah. than people that you really got to know. But some of those kind of people were around for, you know, a long time when I was there, and you, you feel like you know them well, and you still run into them at events, and it, it's pretty good. I saw Stephen Harper the other day, the Canadian Prime Minister, so, yeah, just... John, I wonder if you can share with us the story, because I know it's very sad that your dad died when you were young, but your mum was a real inspiration. There was a time when your family were advised, if I've got this right and remember right from your book, that you were advised, your mum was advised to basically declare bankruptcy. Is that right? Yes, yeah, so what happened was um, mum was mum was a sort of Austrian-Jewish refugee, really. Got, got out of Austria when the Nazis invaded, and, or just before they invaded in 1938. And she went to England, was sort of 18, you know, had no, no real family other than her aunt and, and certainly no money. And met dad, came out after the war. And they had a number of businesses. And well, the, the real rich version of the story is that when I was six, dad had a massive heart attack, dropped drop down dead. Mum went off to the um, accountant and said, look, I've got three children. I've got these businesses. I don't know anything about them. My husband's just died. And he said, I'll come back in a couple of weeks. And, and a couple of weeks later, she came back and he said, well... The good news or the bad news, Mum said. Well, but take the bad news. And he said, "Well, you're broke." Um, and Mum said, "Okay, oh, was the good news." And he said, "Oh, I'm a pretty good accountant. I can probably get you out of a bit of it." And Mum said, "Oh, no, it's not really how I operate." So she sold the family home, paid off you know the debts, and moved wow. us all to Christchurch, which is how we sort of moved into the kind of infamous state house at 19 Holyford Ave. And so, yeah, Mum was uh, Mum was, I think, like a lot of refugee uh, or. or Actually, immigrant families, I think, actually, where 
they put a huge store on their kids and on their kids succeeding at frankly at the expense of their own careers so mum mum was a cleaner mum you know did all, you know worked sort of as a night porter so she could work while I was uh, in bed and all of that kind of stuff and I think yeah. it's a bit like that with Brown's parents who you know worked uh, came from Northern Ireland worked in factories you know it's and you see that story repeated I think thousands of times across New Zealand where yeah. people come here to make a better life and and do incredible things for their kids so yeah we didn't have a lot of money but we had I think the right um, values as a, as a family, and we had you know great leadership from Mum. Amazing story, fantastic, fantastic. Amazing. So, can I ask you one question? Then we'll do some quick fire. What do you make of Donald Trump? Look, it's an interesting thing with Trump. I spend a lot of time in the states now, and you know, I, do, I probably do primarily most of the work I do is actually in the states. And you know, what's certainly true if you go to the west coast of the US, then you know people loathe them, um, you know, not universally, but, you know, widely. Yeah. Um, but equally, actually, you know, if you go not just the flyover states, but a lot of other parts of America, you know, they kind of like what he does. And it's very hard for us to understand because I think, you know, if you look at, look at it on balance, um, you know, Barack Obama, I think, would have been universally very popular with the New Zealand public. And if I'm reading it right, I'd say, Trump is universally pretty unpopular with the New Zealand public. Yeah. But interesting enough, in the US, you know, there's quite a lot of support for Trump, and it's the stuff that we probably don't really see. You know, they see him standing up to, you know, I don't know, nations that thinks that aren't playing fairly and all that sort of stuff. So, I guess what I'd sort of say is, I think he's done some things that have been good around, you know, cutting, you know, red tape and bureaucracy and taxes and those kind of things, but a lot of his style, I have to say, I don't like that style. I mean, it's, um, I've always been pro-migration, pro-open markets, pro, you know, people coming and making a bit of life. And I think that's been the American dream. And I think when you hear some of the comments he makes, I just don't think that gels well with, you know, what I perceive America, the sort of land of opportunity to be. Yep. Yeah, very fair call. Thank you very much indeed. Time for our quick fire round, if that's all right, John. <laughs> quick fire round. Yeah. So, yep, here we go. First question, please, is... Obviously, your family are the most important things to you, but what's your most treasured personal possession? My golf clubs. <laughs> golf clubs. <laughs> only, when only when they're performing well. Yeah, well, that's fair. What's your handicap? When they're working well. Um, theoretically, six, but actually Gee. in Hawaii, I was playing at least that may be even better, but as a general rule, I haven't been in my sparkling form late last year, so let's see how it goes. Gee, that yeah. is good. What's your greatest fear? Uh, I don't like snakes, <laughs> and I don't want to be eaten by a great white shark. But if I, like I'm not scared of like I'm not really, I'm not scared of heights, and I'm not scared of you know you know tight spaces or all that sort of stuff. But I, I don't like rats. <laughs> right. No, I don't. Well, if, snap, snap, snap. I don't do a line in rats. You know, no, I'm not really going to get a, you know Ben and all that sort of stuff. You know, like that. Michael Jackson can keep them. You know, wasn't really my, yeah. my gig, you know. Yeah, exactly. Fair call, mate. Look, what is your greatest extravagance, do you think? What's the luxury that you treat yourself to? Oh, I bought myself a pretty flash car, which, you know, you can probably argue, you know. I don't know. It was sort of, um, I'd always liked them. I, mean, I bought myself a Bentley and I thought it was good. And it's a beautiful, beautiful car, but, you know, do you really need it as an expensive a car? The answer is no. Oh, good on you. Okay. Um, what do you consider your greatest achievement so far in your career? Well, you'd have to say becoming Prime Minister because <clears throat> I was the 38th Prime Minister. You know, by definition at that point, only 37 other people have held the job. And, you know, 
I, I think, like, you can knock whoever the Prime Minister of the day is, depending on whether you like them or like their party or their, what they stand for. But the truth is, to get there takes a lot. And um, you're entrusted with, you know, such enormous both responsibilities but opportunities. And I think, you yeah, nothing I'll do in my life, I think, from a professional point of view, will ever, you know, get anywhere close to that. It doesn't mean that things I'm doing now I don't really enjoy. I do. I thoroughly enjoy them. I, I'm doing a lot of commercial stuff. I love that. And I enjoyed it before I became Prime Minister. But, you know, that's a unique vantage point that virtually no one else, you know, in the country has. Mm. Who is a living person anywhere in the world that you haven't met but you would like to meet? This might upset a few people, but um, Tiger Woods. Oh, right. I kind of vaguely, yeah. funnily enough, I stood next to him at the President's Cup the other day and he said hello, but I don't think that really kind of, kind of counts. <laughs> I was really tempted to sort of have a longer chat on that. <laughs> I mean, you know, like he's got obviously got a bit of a checkered pass and some things, but as a golfer, you just have to sit there and say, I, I mean, people will argue, but personally, I think he's the greatest golfer ever. Um, plan that's ever seen. I mean, maybe Jack Nicklaus and others. I mean, they're amazing, but a tie, I don't know. There's something special about Tiger. You, were you tempted to say, oh, look, you don't know me, but I was the Prime Minister of New Zealand? <laughs> <laughs> if we, we could have got around together, yeah, I would have. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Was, uh, yeah, it was, it was quite interesting, actually. But, yeah, I, I mean, he's, um, yeah, no, he's a, he's a freak. Hey, Bax has just been reading his book, actually, the one that Hank Haney wrote. And, yeah. Um, yeah, to be, I mean, look, when you're sort of three years of age and on national television having a drive of 100 million miles, you know, there's something special about you. Absolutely. And look, John, thank you so much for your time. Before we let you go, what's your song choice and why, please? Well, I don't think this is something that New York ZB's going to play that often, but <laughs> no. actually, over Christmas, we were in the car in the wine, and I said to Max, he goes, you know, loves music and has everything on Spotify. I said, play me something I like that I don't. That I've never heard before, yeah. and he played a song called uh, by Josh Turner called "Your Man." And if you ever Google this guy, if you happen to like him, he's a country singer. I've yeah. heard him before, but he's he's got the most amazingly deep voice, and he's really quite young. And actually, I really like the song, so hopefully you'll like it. John, thank you so much for your time. We're going to play it now. Great to catch up again. All the very best. Thanks a million, hey, John. All the very best. And here is Sir John Key's song, "Your Man." This is News Talk ZB. Baby, lock the door and turn the lights down low. And put some music on that's soft and slow. Baby, we ain't got no...